cliffcentral.com. Please note, this recording was done remotely and there is a difference in sound quality from normal podcasts. I'm Jakub Voigt, the CEO of Catalytic, and this is Unbundled. In this series, I help to demystify technology in the world of business. Join me as we explore how technology can make your business better. In this episode, we're chatting about disaster recovery in, in practice. We're talking about disaster, what dis, uh, disaster recovery is, the difference between disaster recovery and backup, and how to prevent costly downtime in your business. By the end of this episode, you'll have a clearer idea of how to implement cost-effective disaster recovery in your business. I'm joined by Peter French from Acronis. Peter, welcome. Thank you, Yaku. Thank you for having me. Tell us uh, a little bit about yourself. I am now General Manager for Cronus Middle East and Africa. I have a long-rooted history in in computers, in data protection, cybersecurity, cyber protection for the last 16 years already. And prior to that, I've been tinkering and breaking and hacking and learning my way around systems uh, yeah, for many, many years prior. Okay, thank you for that intro. So I think, um, and and when you and I met, we had a we had a wonderful discussion, and that's part of what I want to share with um, our listeners. Um, so disaster recovery uh, seems like quite a common topic, but uh, as I expressed to you, I think uh, the minute it starts becoming practical, it becomes a little bit more difficult to make heads or tails of it. So um, let's start with. Uh, from your perspective, what would you call IT disaster recovery? What is that? So disaster recovery, uh, it's more than, or it's not just a, an application or a tool that solves this need. Disaster recovery is, is a process uh, that companies follow to recover systems and data uh, in the event of a disaster, be it natural, be it unnatural, malicious attack, uh, pure hardware failure, but it's the processes that define how and what you are recovering to return to operation. So, so um, a lot of our listeners, uh, where we focus is is in a small to medium enterprise, and and I always refer to the IT guy, uh, you know, and and I've often referred to the IT guy tending to be a bit more reactive then then looking forward to be proactive and a lot of conversations that i have with customers around uh, let's call it disaster recovery the default answer that they come back with is oh yeah but we do backups um and and where would you say backup fits into into this whole disaster recovery scenario and is that all of it Oh, look, it's an interesting point that because I think backup or a backup process is imperative or critical to a disaster recovery strategy, especially in the SME space where the disaster recovery strategy might be underpinned by the backup tool. But it's important to note that they're not the same and it's important uh, in this day and age to to treat them as separate processes whether it's the same functional piece of software that you're using to affect that operation, you should consider them uh, separately altogether, and you should approach them very separately. Okay, so let's make it real. I'm a small business. Um, I've got 
two servers at my premises. One is probably running uh, my accounting application, whatever that might be, and in another one that serves as a file server where I store all of the my customer contracts and documents and quotes and all of those kind of things. So I need to now make a plan for in case those servers get uh, stolen or they catch fire, what will happen to my business if those servers uh, do not exist? So backup is a portion of making sure that my business doesn't end when uh, a tragedy like that happens. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, in that practical example, I think the importance of backup there is, you know, having peace of mind that you do have a copy of this data for future reference should there have been an accidental deletion or malware that has compromised the data sets or a hard drive failure or any occasional or intermittent type outage. But disaster recovery itself extends beyond that realm. And I think it's important to maybe take a step back and see well where disaster recovery fits in as a whole and why it's so much more relevant to the SME now than it was, say, 10 years ago. And I mean, I'll go back to the practical example now, but to to zoom out a little bit, we see that, you know, mission critical applications are more are running in our networks and we're a lot more interconnected now than we were, say, 15 or 20 years ago, where, you know, a critical application might have been on the accountant system over there, but they weren't you know, multiple users accessing this data in real time to make real time business decisions. It was not as uh, actively used. So you had a copy, you had an offsite copy. And if something happened, you know, an hour or a day's worth of downtime or loss of operation on that system didn't bring the entire organization to a halt. But with the disaster recovery now, and for the SME, these systems are more reliant on one another. And if one cog in the whole system comes to a standstill, the entire system can come to a standstill. That's uh, resulting in costly downtime. So the disaster recovery process needs to bring this system up and running as fast as possible. And this could be, in your practical example, the accounting system and the application server. Well. There are many approaches then to have, having a disaster recovery solution in place. You could either have a, another copy of that system virtually in a remote data center. You could have a, a, a spare piece of tin uh, or a spare server on standby ready to restore and in a few hours be up and running, restoring from your backups. Uh, what that disaster recovery scenario looks like will come down to your the process you have in place, the systems you have in place to support that, and but, um, what will inform Peter, sorry, you. I want yeah. to interject here, and, and I think what I'm getting at uh, in my practical example is um, in that scenario, let's assume we operate like mo most SMEs and, and I don't have a plan, and I walk in on a Monday morning and I go, oh my word, uh, my office was burgled, and those two servers are gone. <laughs> uh, the, the for me to then say, well, at least I've got a backup somewhere is is a it's a far cry from having a plan. Yeah, 
Precisely. And it, it is very different from having a plan and being ready and able to to have a staged process to returning to operation. But if you do have a secure backup in an off-site location, well, at least your business doesn't doesn't come to an end at that point. It's, it's like it's just going to be on pause for a bit until you you either get a new hardware or uh, the insurance insurance pays out or you've made another interim plan in the meantime. Precisely, precisely. And and I think for me that's the that's the idea, and that thing comes back to exactly what you're saying, is that uh, disaster recovery is a is a is a plan. It's not just a single event or piece of equipment or anything like that. One hundred percent, yes. It's it's not just okay. the software. So, so now I want to ask you another question following from that, um, and that was another discussion that you and I had because I think the the most uh, basic and default process is people saying, well, at least I'm making some form of a backup. But now, in an organisation. How do I know that uh, I'm actually backing up the correct data? Well, once again, that comes down to process. It comes down to reviewing what you have in place, reviewing is it being backed up, and even going beyond that, testing out scenarios wherein, you know, this folder was accidentally deleted, ransomware encrypted this folder or this set of uh, data. It's simulation, testing, and process, which to a small business, they've got their own business processes to follow to operate. So adding that extra legwork on the IT side can seem a bit dreary. But yeah. the counter is, well, can you do without that data now? It is the lifeblood of the business. It is paramount to the, the business being in operation still. So taking extra measures, and having the the foresight to take those extra measures, it's vital in this information age. So I read this um, the statistics uh, international company called Druva uh, put out where they said about eighty percent of corporate data is is probably duplicated because we know how it goes exactly like like you said. It's a small business, and everybody you know we don't have that tight controls, and everybody can create the folder, and they just dump documents in there. I was having a conversation with somebody recently where they said they were doing a, a data cleanup and there was a folder on the network that hasn't been accessed for five years and they went back to the, this set with HR specifically and they went to HR and they said, listen, we're going to remove this folder because it hasn't been accessed in, in five years and they go, no, we've got to keep it. So as a as a the end user, because you don't understand the magnitude of of all of this massive uh, duplication of data from my own perspective, I just want to save as much as uh, of information as I possible for in case. As a as a business owner, how do I, uh, you know, I almost want to say cut to the chase and understand is there is there a tool that I can run, for example, that shows me. You've got all of this data, but probably only 20% of it is being used on, a, on an active basis. How do I discern what it is that I'm dealing with? Look, the wonderful thing with technology, where there's a problem that you can think of, there's most likely an app or a solution to deal with that. But it's yet again, to not beat this too hard, it comes down to the process and also 
maybe a bit beyond this on the data retention side it comes down to well what are the legal requirements for me to keeping this data because even though wow. yes it's dormant it hasn't been used for many years you might be required to store it for five or possibly even 10 years it doesn't mean it needs to stay as part of your active system image or your active operation you could leverage an archiving tool store it in a remote location for long-term retention where it is accessible but not part of your working data set it doesn't impact on your recovery time in a disaster because you're trying to restore large volumes of dormant data but yet again that comes down to good process and sanity checks and understanding what you're working with so so i just want to touch on something that you said there now would you then say that if i uh, carry a lot of dormant or unnecessary data on my on my production system and i need to do a restore it's it's obviously going to impact the the time to recovery it's, it's obviously going to cost me uh, let's call it longer downtime it can have an impact absolutely especially if it's i mean in the the terabytes of data there are of course optimizations in these systems with deduplication wherein the data is only stored and restored once and it's only a single index of that data in your archive but that's still unnecessary process processing time in the event of a disaster and i mean any any business when defining this process or when maybe you haven't got this in place yet but when you're thinking about it now the important step to take is well how much downtime can i afford how many hours or days mm. is reasonable for me to return to operation or minutes or even seconds and for each of those answers there is an approach to take there is a i wouldn't want to say a formula a recipe that you can leverage with the relevant tools or ingredients to to make that successful so it, it is an important question to ask I, I that's such a critical point that you're raising there um, and i think uh, uh, very few of the people or the customers that we interact with has actually sat down to answer that question and i think uh, a big reason for that is it's not a comfortable conversation to have because you, you know you're dealing with negativity and loss if you if you call it that um so you mentioned then also in your in some of your previous comments you mentioned uh, the the dreaded r world word called <laughs> ransomware so so yeah. what risk does ransomware pose in this vr scenario because i i assume that if ransomware sits in my production system it's it's very possible that i can back it up yeah like ransomware <laughs> it is i like the way you, the, the r word it's it's a real threat and we're hearing about it every day every week even if you're not in the security industry you you hear about this colonial pipeline attack or a certain health and fitness club locally that was impacted by this <laughs> this horrible threat now it's hard to tell in your in your backup on your dr if you are indeed storing this this threat because these threats are typically dormant in your systems already before they come into play so if you have a daily backup or a replication to offsite most likely you are replicating or backing up this uh, this threat into that remote environment 
And in a real-world example, I won't name any customers here, but we did have a uh, an incident in a customer, I think it was last year, where they were held ransom uh, on their production systems, and they were like, "Okay, great, but we've got a we've got a another copy of it. We have a DR solution in place." I will say it wasn't ours at the time, but uh, they had a DR solution in place, and they restored. They got an email from the uh, the attacker saying, look, no. in the next two days, we're going to kick off the next round of uh, attacks and encrypt your data unless you pay. And the customer thought, well, you know what? We've got a, a secure copy, so it's okay. Uh, what it ended up looking like was a game of cat and mouse for about two weeks where restore, attack, restore, attack. And they have a remote command and control. They can remotely initiate this attack again when the, the systems are brought back up. And what one ended up having to do there, we had uh, virus researchers involved. They had, uh, well, Microsoft involved. They had a whole bunch of security experts involved to try and sanitize the dormant data so as to restore a clean working set and not be impact like this. It was, it was so quite scary. How do you end up fixing something like that? Then you've got to uh, go, go far back enough in your, in your backup data and hope that you, you find a copy that wasn't infected and then you just lose the work in the, in the meantime. Well, that's one approach. Or you can leverage a tool that uh, that has in-archive cleaning. So it can actually scan ah. your, your secondary data set, your backup data for malware on, an, on a regular basis. And the reason it's necessary to do it on a regular basis is not all threats are known at the time. So my backup data from a year ago might be clean today in my mind, or even from last week, it might be clean today. But a week from now, a new malware is discovered, and I can scan it again, and I can go and clean out that malware from my from the same backup point. Um, I mean, so, so that's interesting. As I I read a, an article from last year from IBM. Uh, in South Africa, actually, that they uh, commissioned a, a security study. And in South Africa, they say um, malicious or criminal attack take on average 191 days to detect and 62 days to contain. So that's like two months. And, uh, and yeah. uh, exactly like you said about uh, small to medium business earlier, you've got, uh, you know, that's that's not your core business to try and recover from from something like this that happens it, it, it was just a staggering number for me absolutely that is, i mean that is astronomical and I, I mean think about it if you were a, a delivery company and you were to say well two of your car or your two tires per car are going to be flat for your next month of deliveries it's it's a significant impact on operation to execute your your core business so having the safeguards against this is essential so the answer to that then is, is as part of my backup environment, I've got to continuously review and let's call it scan that for any any malware or, or, or bad stuff that's in there. Absolutely, yes. I mean, it's a, a good security approach. It's definitely not a single t or a single solution. It's not a single process. You've got to consider all the possible threats you're trying to protect against. And one of the big threats is a dormant or dormant threat or dormant malware that resides in your backup data. So absolutely, you need to consider every facet and see what impact it has to your to your recovery strategy.
and I assume stating the obvious, uh, one would want to do that on a on an active, ongoing basis because the day when that, for uh, your example now, when the uh, ransomware has been executed, and you want to try scrubbing your data so you can restore from backup, it's panic stations and it's too late. Absolutely, yes. Look, I mean, with any of this uh, disaster recovery with backup, uh, with your, your data protection itself or your your cybersecurity, regular testing is vital. So in a disaster oh. recovery scenario, you need to have a disaster recovery test failover. You know, let's see what happens if the or if all these systems that I've paid for and I've bought actually work. Let's see how long it takes me to to fail over. And of course, it doesn't mean you need to walk into your server room with a pair of scissors or bolt cutters and, you know, let's test a disaster in that sense. But let's ensure that these systems can spin up. Let's run them in isolation in a test failover scenario. See how long it takes to to restore to operations if I were to be hit. But so, Peter, but uh, uh, and you you mentioned such an important thing now. So I've mentioned this example on the show many times before. There's a saying that says, "The prince that doesn't undertake the peril of understanding has to undertake the peril of trust." So if I'm the the MD or the owner of a small to medium enterprise, and I've got this IT guy that's telling me everything is hunky dory. At, at one point in time, we need to walk in with a bolt cut, cutter, uh, you know, proverbially, and, and say, okay, right, we're testing this now and we're switching it off cold and show me how this thing works because otherwise I'm, I'm living in a, in a false sense of security. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, that would be, that would be a valuable uh, approach to incorporate into your, your various uh, business safeguards. Uh, it wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't actually bring in the bolt cutter, but <laughs> I would say on a monthly basis, you know what? Give me a report that shows me my the backups are indeed working. Uh, I mean, a, a typical audit process might actually ask you to demonstrate this, this exact thing. Uh, recover a file from this date from two years ago on the uh, 30th of May 2019 retrieve this from the backup and please submit it to me and take five random samples of files or 10 random samples of files. Sure, that seems like a whole lot of hoo-ha or warrior to create around, you know, my small two servers in my small business. But the counter is, well, if you don't do that and you're not sure and you're not confident and you, you know, and even if you do trust somebody and they say they're, they're doing it, what happens when it doesn't work? Are you willing well, that, to that stake to your is, entire business on that? Well, that to me is, is the amazing thing that we see on a daily basis. I mean, we uh, I, I had a conversation with a prospective customer last week where um, they, they were mentioning, uh, I think it was a legal firm, and they were mentioning that the entire, the entire business is backed up to a USB drive that sits on the keychain of the MD's um, you, you know, the MD's keys. And wow. he told us uh, quite adamantly that if that data had to be stolen or disappear, that's his entire business of 20 years uh, basically gone. 
And it's almost like, wow. it's, and, and you, you have a conversation, so, so when is the last time that you tested it? No, 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 but I'm, I'm backing it up every day. And it's basically a copy. Uh, no, no, uh, mention of potentially that data could have been corrupted when you copied across, or maybe it doesn't work that nicely. Or like you say, maybe over time, some weird, ransomware type or malware type thing crept in there and and when you try and restore none of, none of it works it's, it's it's almost like uh there's a there's a disconnect between what the reality is for the day when you really need it yeah well i mean that's quite scary that to to even hear of such an example especially in this well in the year 2021 we have all these wonderful applications and systems and tools that are designed to take away this headache. And not saying everything is foolproof. I mean, yes, systems fail, but a calculated, well-planned approach to this can prevent and will prevent the unforeseen uh, from impacting your business. Okay, so my next question, uh, and I think that's advice that everybody should, should take quite seriously, my next question, I think we've spoken uh, about it to a degree already, but I still want to ask the question and then, and then maybe just phrase it in a, in a, a little bit differently. Um, I wanted to know, in the event of a crisis, how much b downtime should a business owner expect? But I think if we can flip that question on its head, I almost want to ask you, if I've, um, how can I say, invested in the right tools and the, and the right systems, what is the quickest way that I can uh, recover from a disaster? What would you say if, if you've done all of the right things? How quickly should I be able to recover from? What's my base case scenario? Is it seconds? Well, is it minutes? Is it hours? Look, I mean, it's a great question. And it comes down to the environment type. It comes down to the needs. I'm not going to go in too depth onto that because I think we can understand that my small business might not need a real-time failover to a remote site, as an example, and I'm not willing to pay not even 100% extra of what my IT systems cost to allow me to do that, but probably close to 300% more just to allow for a real-time hot site failover. So, yes, practically speaking, the technology is there to allow you to do uh, real-time or near-line failover if if the worst happened to your primary site. And I can see systems and places where that is relevant. If our banking's uh, back-end, maybe it's, it's slightly more or it's a little more important for them to have real-time failover should one data center go down. So we ask ourselves, how much downtime is allowable for my business? And you can you can do the numbers on this. There's a formula to calculate the the ROI of a disaster recovery solution, and you can quickly calculate. Well, how much am I willing to spend? What what insurance am I willing to pay in the event of a disaster? Yeah. But technologically, for a small business, there's no reason why you should be down for more than a few hours. Realistically, you could be up in a few minutes, really, 15 minutes. If you like, you could be up faster, but it, I hate to say it's down to what you're willing to spend, but that is one part of it. It's also down to how much data and how many systems and how complex the systems are. 
because you could have a hundred servers that have interdependencies and you need to first fire them all up in a cold DR site, then it can take a little bit longer. But I would say typically you can look at 15 minutes with, with a trusted solution and you can be back up and running. Okay. I think that's, that's uh, it's very good advice and it's definitely food for thought there. Then my last question that I wanted to ask, um, and I mean, we've a lot of what we've spoken about up until now has been around traditional systems. So we're talking about files. Everybody's familiar with that. Um, in this uh, post-lockdown uh, supposed new way of working, everybody are, are using uh, collaboration tools like WebEx or Zoom or Microsoft Teams. Um, is, is that stuff that we need to look at uh, and consider from a DR and a security perspective, or is it just an, an application that we don't really have to worry about? Well, I mean, look, when it comes to a business operation, I think having access to these systems is key. And the, the rapid uh, increase in usage of these tools also presented a security risk and a, a security problem because, well, more and more people are going onto Google and looking for Zoom downloads or uh, on app stores and so on. What that presents is a, an, a possible chance for the wrong application to be installed and a malicious version thereof, which can then introduce threats into a system. But also with this many people using the systems, it paints a target on the back of these companies because well, for an attacker, for a malware writer or someone looking for a weakness into a lot of systems, they look for the most common applications used. Oh. And something like, say, Zoom that went to, what, 400 million users or something in a few, in a month or something ridiculous like that last year, well, there were a lot more people scrutinizing every line of code to try and find a, a possible backdoor or entry point for them. and. So yes, from a security standpoint, it definitely is worth securing these applications. And to do that, the best approach is to ensure that they are patched, that they're up to date, that you know you have the latest version with every known uh, backdoor or bug fixed in it. But beyond that, I mean, the only other uh, the only other consideration to make from a continuity or business operations perspective is having access to these systems. Because with all the remote working, you know, every single user system is their interface into the company operations, into the, being able to collaborate. So now you have a lot more distributed systems to take care of, to manage, to monitor, uh, and to maintain a baseline of security to to uh, access and work with your company data it becomes quite a nightmare for for the IT IT management or IT operations team yeah and I, I think it's it's such a valid point for for business to also consider because uh, and I mean a lot of uh, it's been spoken about widely about how people just uh, went into panic stations uh, you know you know when the worldwide lockdown was was announced, uh, last year, and um, you know, people just went wild to try and make a plan so they they could keep the business running. But it does it does open up more doors and it does um, create and pose more threats. 
and then these applications are also evolving in the sense that you can now transfer, you can now send a file there. It doesn't necessarily have to be an email. So how do you how do you back up or track that file that you that you're sending or receiving from from somebody? So yeah, I, I do think it, it does add a, a lot more complexity that has to be considered. Absolutely yes, and I, look, I mean, as I've said once or twice, there are tools for all these these problems. There are there are solutions, thank goodness, but it's finding a a tool that really can cover as much of this as possible in a single pane of glass. Uh, that's I mean, that's what every IT manager's dream would be, a reliable yeah. tool that can address all these concerns from your data security through to your disaster recovery, your remote system backup, down to your uh, communication or collaboration applications, uh, patch management and security itself. Okay, cool. Peter, thank you very much. That was, uh, I, I can't believe we've uh, had such a long conversation already and it feels like we've only scratched the surface. I think you're definitely coming back, but thank you very much. I think there was uh, a lot of information in here that, that's very valuable and, and we could unpack it over the next couple of weeks to come. Fantastic, Okay, Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Unbundled, brought to you by Catalytic a series that aims to demystify technology so that you can make smarter decisions for your business. Remember, you can listen to all the episodes on the Clip Central app or the website, and for added convenience, you can subscribe to a podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, or wherever you want to listen. If you're looking for help with your communication tools for your business, make sure to visit catalytic.co.za.